Welcome back, everybody. This is Todd Sylvester with the Todd Sylvester Inspires Belief Cast. I am so excited to have Heidi Swap on today. Thank you so much for being here. Thanks for having me. You betcha. I'm so excited for you guys to get to know her and her amazing story and, and the way she lives her life and the things and the challenges she's been through. Um, I do have to say once again, uh, shout out to our, to our sponsor, Veracity Networks. They're a telecommunication company that uh, believes in helping the community. They've been so good to me, and they're helping get the word out too as well with all these uh, belief casts, and I'm so blessed that they are supporting this. And so it's really going to help, uh, obviously, get the message out, especially with Heidi's story, so that's going to be awesome. So that's great. Thank you, Veracity Networks, right? <laughs> um, so a little ba- background on Heidi. Uh, Heidi Swap is a storyteller, craft, and decor designer creative instructor, author, and a speaker who firmly believes that life doesn't have to be perfect to be wonderful. We'll get more into that, but I love how you say that. That's beautiful. Um, uh, Her favorite job is a wife and a mother to five children. Um, They range in ages from elementary school uh, to young adult. Uh, She started connecting with audiences worldwide back in 2000 through scrapbooking magazines and events, and later sharing her passion through the memory for, for her, sorry, I said that completely wrong. Later sharing her passion for memory keeping through blogging, social me- uh, media, and her signature line of creative products. Sorry, that was a tongue twister for me. Well, I designed it so that it was really hard to read. <laughs> Just kidding. No, it's, uh, no, but I'm excited to talk about that. I mean, she's very successful in her business and she's got you know hundreds of thousands of followers on social media, which is really cool. Um, uh, there was a tragedy in her life. Her son, Corey, took his life back in 2015 at age 16. We're going to talk about how uh, she dealt with that and what she's doing with that today. Um, you know, that unbearable ordeal um, has caused her to connect and to be an advocate for uh, suicide prevention through community events. And um, and she has a podcast called Light the Fight. Is that how you say that? Yep. Which is really cool as well. And uh, we'll get in more into how to get a hold of Heidi after we get to the end of this. But uh, welcome. Hey, <laughs> this is really fun to be here. And, you know, I have listened to your podcast. I know that usually you do this at 6 a.m. Yeah, we're usually early. And so um, I just want everyone to know that this is it's on the noon o'clock hour. Yeah. I, I'm not an early bird. <laughs> so I don't know if Todd was just like, all right. Yeah. Heidi, yeah. you don't have to come early <laughs> because I just like uh-huh. it, it, it's just I'm a. You know, maybe if you got me around like two or three in the morning, that's when I'm really good. That's but. when you're, yeah, it's right <laughs> when you're getting ready to go to bed, right? <laughs> yeah, no, thank you for being here. Yeah, and it is uh, the noon hour and, uh, you know, I don't mind doing it at noon. I just like uh, starting the day off early and getting things rolling. But uh, sure. so I'm just grateful that you're willing to do this. Yeah, this is yeah, cool. Yeah, so cool. Well, why don't we uh, start off by letting our listeners know a little background, like where you grew up, a little bit about your family. Okay. I grew up just super not far from where we are right here. Yeah. Um, in fact, I don't know. You, you grew up right around this area. Yeah. Just too. down the road as Did, well. So do you remember before Smith's? Yes. Before. Okay. So like just to paint a picture here, yeah. right kind of by us is this street called Bengal Boulevard. And um, we are actually both Bengals. Yes, right? we are. We both went to Brighton High. Bengal power. <laughs> and um, so at the top of Bengal Boulevard, is now like this big shopping center with Smith's and Little Caesars. Yeah. But back before that, man, we used to like ride our bikes and snowmobiles yeah. and stuff like that in that 
field. Yeah, there was nothing there. And then, man, when we got Little Caesars and we could like bring a can of, uh, do you remember this when you oh, could yeah. like bring a can of food and they'd give you crazy bread? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We would like walk to Little Caesars. <laughs> that was the best when that happened. Anyway, so yeah, I grew up right around, right around here. Um, and, you know, my, my family is my, my very best friends. Right. My, um, my parents are amazing, uh, family people. Right. Um, my family dad owned, oriented. yeah, my yeah. dad owned his own business and my mom worked for him. Oh, okay. And, um, I'm the oldest and then I have three siblings that were younger than me. Okay. Uh, there were two boys and two girls, two blondes and two brunettes. Oh, and, really? Uh, so... <laughs> How, do, um, how was it being the oldest? You know, I just really felt picked on mostly. <laughs> I, I always like to tell my siblings now, I used to have to clean all three of the bathrooms. You remember that? Like I, like that's not fair. I had to do everything I feel like. And, um, my parents really, you know, and I can appreciate this now, but when I was young, my parents didn't hand me anything <laughs> right they they didn't um they they just really believed in in hard work right. in fact we kind of joke in our family because my dad would like make up stuff <laughs> that was work so uh -huh. we'd like have to move the wood pile from the side of the house up onto the onto the balcony right the, the, and, and then we'd have to move that and um we had this area that just would get rampant weeds and we'd be like, can you just put in some sod or some right. rocks or some wood chips or do something? And he, he wouldn't cause he wanted us to weed it. Wanted something to do. Yeah. yeah. It was awful, <laughs> you know? So, um, That's funny. I come from a, also super creative family. Um, and so just in terms of a little bit yeah. of background, because people often ask me if like, when did I know I was an artist or right. what my art background is because I'm in this very creative field. And um, my answer is always that I'm actually not an artist. And uh, you know, the, so in my mind, like an artist is somebody who like has that blank canvas and can just like right. paint some amazing painting and, and that's not me. Um, and so I just didn't consider myself right. an artist. In fact, um, so interestingly enough, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather was um, an artist by profession. Oh, okay. And um, my dad was super resentful of his artist lifestyle. He was resentful that he wasn't making the money that he, th you know, mm, like. Kind of more of a carefree kind of. Yeah, my grandpa was very much of a like make it do, do without kind of a guy, very very amazingly creative loved photography um and back in those days one of my favorite stories about my grandpa was that he would make homemade christmas cards every year <laughs> and and right. back in that day it was just like there was no kinkos right you didn't yeah. ha you didn't have a printer so he would screen print them or he would carve into a tile and do like these multiple layered tile prints like he okay. was just a just a creative genius right, yeah. mastermind and um he would go all out on holidays and create right. these things that he'd like put up on the roof of the house like these big 
wood cutouts of Santa and he, he just loved that visual right. life and my dad just didn't didn't connect to that at all. So when I was young, my dad told me no art classes. We really? don't take art classes. <laughs> you need a skill. You need to graduate with something that you can actually support That's why yourself. That's making you move the wood pile. With the, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and so um, I actually never took an art class. Interesting. I um, To fulfill my art credit, I took pottery. Okay. And I did have a pot win state. So I. That's good. You know, so that is an yeah. art class. Super creative. <laughs> did um, you find yourself like where you really wanted to? And did you did you even maybe no. resent that at all? No, that you couldn't I didn't do that? care. Okay, you didn't care. I didn't time. care. I wasn't, okay. I didn't have any affinity for it. The only thing that I had an affinity for that was artistic was handwriting. Okay. Which um, I was just fascinated with hand lettering. Mm. And. Um, I had certain pens that I loved. I loved to doodle, okay. the handwriting. And um, all my friends would tell me, oh, you have such cute handwriting, da, 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 da. And I would yeah. work on my handwriting. So this was important to me for whatever reason. Yeah. And um, so interestingly enough, like, and, uh, and I'll loop back to the handwriting situation because it's super interesting. It's, right, <laughs> it's sure, funny how, yeah. it, how it played out. But <laughs> um, the other component in my family was that we were scrapbookers. So much so that I just thought everybody was scrapbookers. Okay. We had... That's what everyone does. Yeah. yeah. We had... T there were scrapbooks of my mom when she was young. There were scrapbooks of my parents before they got married. My mom um, had been living on semester abroad and had this huge, gorgeous, amazing scrapbook that I loved to look through because right. she was living in Europe and... Um, when she was living in Europe, she was actually writing to my dad, who was in the Philippines in the military. And their entire courtship was via letters. Okay. So there's this album that's their letters and their photos oh, wow. of them living these two separate lives, but falling in love. And I just loved it yeah. so much. Um, wow. And so then, and I was the oldest, I was the oldest grandbaby on my dad's side, the oldest granddaughter okay. on the other side. So like, like there were scrapbooks of me. Oh yeah. Right. So yeah. I knew how I honestly It kind of fades over the years sometimes. It can, right? <laughs> I felt so loved and so important. Yeah. And a lot of my um like me being able to prove everybody's love for me was in these scrapbooks. Yeah. Like um what they wrote about me sure. in the scrapbooks and how excited people were and the yeah. gifts people that would give me my aunts and uncles and I just um I knew I was important right wow and so for me scrapbooking was just part of our, our life right um in fact so so when I turned 12 I had these four siblings and um at age 12 my two little brothers were in a in a an accident Oh, okay. This was a snow accident up in Park City. We were staying in a cabin um, just a couple of days after Christmas. And, I mean, you could attest this. Like, when we were young, we got a lot of snow. Oh, we did. So much more than we do now. Like, crazy. And Park right. City. Yeah. You would go up there, and it would be over your head oh, yeah, as a kid. Us. Oh, yeah. I totally remember that. I, I say that to my kids all the time. You have no idea the snow we used to get. Right. And. Yeah. 
So we were up there um, staying at this cabin, and um, it was an A-frame cabin, and my brothers were outside hitting the ice that there was this wall of ice from the bottom of the cabin to the ground right that w- that had been formed from Just this formed over uh-huh. yeah and it was probably eight inches thick this yeah. wall of ice wow and um this happened in the morning now they're just like trying to chip away the ice yeah and kind of triggered a an avalanche of the snow off the top off of the, the cabin room. oh yeah and this wall of ice actually trapped them oh, and wow. we couldn't couldn't get them out and so wow. one of my brothers the youngest who was six at the time was completely buried and um the other one who was nine was buried from his from his like waist down mm-hmm. and so he was screaming for help and of course he was in shock and we didn't sure, know where yeah. my other little brother was and yeah. so it was quite some time before they were able to dig him out oh, and wow. um so at, at age six on new year's eve um he passed away wow. and um and how old were you at this i was time? so I was 12 you were 12 and okay. at this point i was just starting to really like understand what it meant to like believe in god and to to pray and to go mm-hmm. to god to ask for help and right. that time i really thought you know no problem i'm gonna pray that he's gonna be okay yeah and jesus can fix this because he's a god of miracles yeah you know and i i really my little belief system yeah as a 12 year old you would believe that yeah, yeah. i mean i can see why you yeah. would believe that yeah i could not believe he died when i was praying right you know um wow my parents definitely went into pretty serious shock. Mm-hmm. And at that time, um, I was the oldest. And I had little siblings. Yeah. And um, my mom wasn't super functioning. Right. And I kind of just stepped up and that, you know, that's just kind of what I did. And... um I just wanted her to come back to being herself. Right. She was sad. Yeah. Um, so it took about a year, and I remember the day that she came home with this scrapbook from Hallmark. And it was this album that said Superstar on the front, and she had this enormous stack of Mrs. Grossman stickers, which doesn't mean anything to you, but that, that yeah. was like Mrs. Okay. Grossman stickers. That was <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> and for a year... Our dining room table was the hub of of the scrapbook, and it took my mom about about a full year. Right. And the photos were were out on the table, and in process going into this album for a year. For a year, wow! And we would gather often, looking at pictures, telling stories, laughing, yeah. crying, remembering. Yeah. Um. So this album was this huge part of of our healing. And for me, um, that was just what we did, like I said. And so I, um, that's really where my scrapbooking was born. Really? I just was always a scrapbooker. I remember getting like my own disc camera when I was in eighth grade, taking it to girls camp. Disc camera. (laughs) You know, like, right. I mean, I love that. And, um, 
So fast forward a few years, you know, I, um, well, can I go yeah. back just a little bit? So it's interesting that, you know, you said that when you saw your scrapbooks and you saw the, the time and the effort that went into making those that you felt so loved. I did. And then this happens to your little brother and you guys are, you know, meeting around this table often and you're putting together and you're talking about stories and the, as it was almost kind of like this therapeutic process. Oh, huge. And so here you have these two different things. You know, I, you know, I felt so loved and here we are working through something very difficult as a family and it was all around these scrapbookings and it's so cool in the sense and the reason in my mind is that's when you're like, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Except I didn't know. It was Maybe what. not then. <laughs> Maybe not then. I know, right, but it's right. interesting how that would probably, you know, planted the seed of what you're doing today. Totally. Yeah. Totally. And I just, I felt so much connection. In fact, one other story that I tell a lot, kind of a side note, is that as the oldest daughter, I felt like my parents were pretty hard on me. Right. Um, and I didn't always really love, I shouldn't say, I didn't always like my mom. Right. And my dad was the type that you don't just sit on the couch, right? And so right. if he caught you sitting on the couch, boy, that guy that guy could come up with something for you to be doing right. like this quick, right? right. So I used to hide. <laughs> really? Okay. So uh. there was this one place where I would hide just so they wouldn't see me and put me to work. Right. And um, it was kind of behind the couch and we had like a mm. couch table and that's where the scrapbooks were. And I, I had a lot of resentment for my mom um, as a preteen, well, I, I struggle. I struggled because I just like we just didn't totally connect. Right. A and I I respected her. I was a little afraid of her. I think you know. Uh -huh. And um, yeah. And she ran a, a tight ship. Yeah. And um. And we were not we're not alike. Um, my mom is very like order order right. like so organized yeah so like um <laughs> and i just was like super free spirit right. you know just like yeah I, I could not ever get my act together <laughs> um and that, at least that's how my perception was and so right. i mentioned the scrapbook that was of her on her study abroad and when i looked at that scrapbook she seemed so fun and right. she was with her friends and wearing these short skirts and tall boots and this funky uh -huh. haircut. Right. And, and she would write about the <laughs> boys that she was dating and like all this stuff. And it was just like, so I really connected with the girl right? that she was there and had a harder time connecting with her as my mom. And so I really felt like that scrapbook kind of bridged a gap okay. for us gotcha. a little bit. And so, you know, Photos and memories and stories were just like it was just part of the culture in our family right. to tell stories, and I, and I continue to really, really love that. Yeah, uh, you know, <laughs> um, so, you know, I I graduated from high school and I really wanted to go to medical school. That was my plan, and um, <laughs> I I know. So I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And um, we get this thing called the patriarchal blessing. 
And that happens around the time you're a teenager. Okay. And it's this blessing. It's a once in a lifetime thing. And it's really designed to just kind of give you um, some guidance in your life. Like a roadmap almost. Yeah. Yeah. And um, up until the time I was 17, I was very driven. Um, I was working in a lab at the U U of U. I was going to these women in science symposiums. I was taking like AP math and AP chemistry and AP, like, I mean, I was going to just go for the gold and I didn't care if women weren't supposed to have, you know, I was, I wanted to be a doctor and um, I get this patriarchal blessing and it just, there's one line. I'm going to share this line that says, you will become a specialist in a field which you may not expect, but which will allow you to serve your fellow men and God. Wow. And I was ticked because <laughs> I was like, what? Yeah. No, don't take this. You know, no, I don't. This is what I'm, ex- you know. Yeah, right. And at that time in my 17 <laughs> year old brain, I just felt completely derailed. Right. And and then I had to like rebel against God and keep going. like Because right. I was like, well, yeah. no, this is what I want to do. Yeah. You can't tell me I'm not going to do it. <laughs> You know, and I was just like <laughs> really in opposition of, of maybe what I felt like I was supposed to do and not knowing yeah. and probably just like everybody is at that age. Like, what am I going to do? And right. Everyone's trying to figure it out. So I went to a few years of college. I went to BYU for a couple of years. And um, quite frankly, I, I didn't super love BYU. So I mm-hmm. transferred up to the U. Okay. And I actually really loved Going to the U. Yeah, go and Utes, huh? I'm a, <laughs> I guess you can't take the Utes out of the group anyway. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Um, and then I decided that I need to serve a mission. Mm. So okay. um, at age 21, I, uh, I went and served a mission for the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints in Portugal. Mm. Anyway, um, pretty hardcore experience that we could have long talks about (laughs) can only imagine yeah and i actually got hit by a car so once i'd been out for 12 months i got hit by a car i had to have this massive surgery really i got staph infection i had to have another massive surgery and so then i finally i wound up coming home from my mission four months early okay against everything that i tried to stay right and um wound up pretty thereafter, pretty quick getting married to the guy that I'd been kind of seen before. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so you were disappointed coming home. I was, yeah. You're I like, was, I want to finish this out. I was ticked, but it sounds like things but were pretty scary. My leg wasn't healing. With, yeah. With I had leg. a broken leg. I wasn't healing. Yeah. So it was time to come home. We got married and, um, kind of finished our schooling and, um, actually left school to pursue a job before I finished school. Okay. So I do not have a completed education <laughs> in any of my pursuits, <laughs> yeah. which, you know, maybe, maybe someday, but, um, so we started going off. We were kind of on this pathway that we were going to do my husband's family business and really invested in that. And Started having children, and then the scrapbooking really kicked up again. Okay. Yeah, because you got kids now. Yeah. <laughs> and I was just obsessed with them. So I remember so my great. wife would get with her friends, and this is when my kids were younger, and they would, they would go like on a Friday night and spend – they'd stay up the entire night. Exactly. And even all the way through – halfway through Saturday before they'd finally like go 
get some sleep. And then we're, you're just trashed. And they're just trashed <laughs> for the weekend. But they did that. My wife did that a, a, a lot. And I think back then it was, yeah, a, it was, the, it was the thing to do. Yeah, yeah, it was the best. I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. And I, um, I kind of found myself with these kids and feeling super overwhelmed mm -hmm. and struggling with connection and struggling with like, who am I? Like, this is a disaster. These kids you know always a mess never right. getting caught up just feeling like <laughs> complete waste uh -huh. um they didn't like the food that i make they didn't you know what whatever i was just really like as a young mom wondering what i'd gotten myself into right <laughs> and um mm. i really found joy in scrapbooking mm. um i found joy in the photos I, I got good at taking photos of them and um i started to pursue uh scrapbooking which Going back to the whole like specialist in a field, which you may not expect, I was like, huh, well, <laughs> it's a good thing you didn't, you know, spell it out for me because right. I would have been really offended by that. Probably. <laughs> right. I thought it was, I, I really thought it was pretty nerdy, right. the scrapbooking thing, but I loved it. Yeah. Like I just, I yeah. was super into it. And um, so I started teaching classes um, and the first class that I was asked to teach was a handwriting class. And which, um, loved. which is what I loved yeah. and is how I connected. And I really just felt like the most important thing was that we told our stories on our scrapbook pages, that we actually wrote oh, okay. the story behind the photo. And people hate their handwriting. And so they don't want to write on the page because they, they've they yeah. made something beautiful and then they don't want to. I'm it. one of those. I have to type everything. <laughs> <laughs> and so I would work to try to get people to love their handwriting, to improve their handwriting enough that, that they right. didn't hate it. And... um so I, I would develop classes and write articles for magazines, and, and then I got an opportunity to start designing products, and like just kind of one thing after another. And, and it certainly wasn't, like I didn't have a ton of support from my husband in the beginning. He, he was like, could you maybe like make dinner? Or, you know, my scrapbook stuff would be all over the kitchen, and he'd be like, so... So no dinner, probably. <laughs> yeah, I'd be like You're home like, from a twelve-hour day at work and just. Because it's pizza tonight. Be like right? wondering <laughs> what. So what's going on here? Um, but the <clears throat> the more I got into, the more I loved it. I loved the connection. I loved getting together with the women and yeah. telling stories about our kids, realizing yeah. we weren't alone, needing each other to um, get through it. I started to join. Um, at that time, it was email groups. We didn't have the internet yet. Right. And so we would email each other pictures of our interesting, yeah, our projects and get ideas from each other, share ideas, um, encourage each other. And the biggest deal was to like get into the to the magazine, and that, so that was cool. Um, but pretty soon, I found myself with my own signature line of of scrapbook products, traveling all over the world from South Africa to Australia, really? all over the states, Canada, you know, Europe teaching people how to scrapbook. And I was just like, this is weird. Like, how did this happen? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Not an artist, you know, not, what am I doing here? And um, and I loved it. And I just loved watching people understand how important their stories were and how much value there was in the tiniest details of their story. Right. And how much um, we can honor our family members and the the life that we live and the things that we're grateful for. Yeah. 
on these scrapbook pages. And um, I got I got good at speaking. I got good at making presentations and learning computer skills. And there was a lot of ancillary skills that I was learning. Yeah. Um, then, you know, we had to do websites and blogs and all these other things. And pretty soon I was really an expert in all kinds of things that didn't even exist <laughs> just years before. Right. You know, and the evolution was happening really fast. Rapidly, yeah. Um, but I was a real scrapbooker. I really told the stories of what, you know, um, when you get into the magazines, they want the magazines, they wanted the projects to look a certain way. And so they would give you a photo and tell you to make up a story or, oh, okay. you know, something like right, that. And, right. and I, I wouldn't do that. I <laughs> I really love to tell yeah. the story. And, um, okay, back in these days, you would get the magazine and you started to know the people because you read their stories yeah. that they wrote on their pages, right? And, okay, this is really going to sound dorky, but when you got <laughs> the magazine, you would get a magnifying glass so you could actually read what they had written on their scrapbook. On their scrapbook page, right. Right, because okay. the page would kind of be small on the magazine page. So you would need to write, like, really zoom in. Right. Because we couldn't zoom then. <laughs> and in yeah. that way, you really, like, learned about these people. Yeah. And their families and where they vacationed and how they decorated their house and the birth stories and, you know, all these things. And... um I was also sharing my family's story. Right. And as each child would come, um, I would talk about them. And, and in my stories, just like just like I felt was really modeled to me by mm -hmm. my grand, grandparents and my parents. Yeah. Um, the things that I wrote on the scrapbook pages about my kids were probably not the things that I was telling them, like in our day-to-day -day conversation. Oh, okay. Okay, yeah. so... <laughs> sadly enough, you know, my conversations went with my kids in real life. Pick up your shoes, finish your dinner. <laughs> you know, it's time for bed. Yeah. Get, get your stuff picked up. You know, yeah. these are kind of our conversations that I was having with my kids where on my scrapbooks, I was writing, you know, I love your curiosity. I love to watch you when we go to the park because mm. you do this and this and this and it's yeah. it's so fun to watch you make friends. You know, like I would I would just narrate their life on the scrapbooks, but I wasn't really telling them what I loved about them in real life. Right. Because I was too busy being like a hard A. Yeah, <laughs> Mom. Right. <laughs> yeah. Um, kind of like how your dad was. Yeah. Yeah, I was right. a little exact replica. <laughs> yeah. I wanted them to do exactly what I said when I said it. Yeah. Because that's what you do, right? right. And so... Um, when did you realize that you weren't telling these amazing things to them? I mean, did it hit you early on or later or... Oh, I think I knew. Okay. You knew as you were going along. Yeah. Okay. But I think that... I definitely probably used my scrapbooks as a crutch. Like I knew that that information was there, right? They knew right. that I love them right. in the scrapbooks. Um, even though maybe I had a hard time communicating what I loved about them and how special they were yeah. in our daily life. So 
one super quick story. I, sure. And I probably should no, wa- we're good. watch our time. Yeah, we're, uh, yeah, we'll, uh, <laughs> let's finish this and then we'll, uh, I want to talk about, uh, with, uh, about Corey. Okay. Okay. So quick, this is a super quick story. Um, that when I first got pregnant, it was hard for me to get pregnant. And so my first child, I made this entire pregnancy journal about him. And it was very detailed and very wonderful. And we were so excited. Right. Fast forward to a punk 13-year-old kid. <laughs> and I was struggling with him a lot. Right. So my oldest child, kind of a little bit, um, hard time getting on the same page for sure. He's not super nice to his siblings, just kind of the tail that wagged the dog in our family, as I like to say. At one point, um, he ran across this journal and wound up reading the entire journal because I think mm. he was also getting out of some work okay. at the time. Right, right. And a couple hours later, he came to me and he looked at me and he, he kind of had these little tears in his eyes, which was mm-hmm. rare. Right. And he said, I didn't know you loved me so much. Mm. Wow. And of course, my response was, how can you not know that I love you? I do right. everything for you. Yeah. Don't be ridiculous. <laughs> I make your food. I clean your clothes. Yeah. I bought you a bike. But it wasn't until he read my words before I even knew him. Right. It was his story. It was wow. his truth. Wow. It was real. Yeah. It was undisputable. Yeah. And he didn't know that. And, um, so probably that was my slap in the face yeah, of, okay, yeah, so maybe I'm not doing a great job of yeah. letting my kids know how I really feel about them on a daily yeah. basis. I think a lot of us fall in that trap with like, I know they know. Right. But then when it comes right down to it, they, on a lot of levels, maybe they don't. We just, or, or we just think that because we got them an Xbox or we <laughs> bought them new right. school clothes that automatically that conveys this love. Exactly. Um, so the scrapbooks were really important to me. Wow. Yeah. And I can see from, why from that standpoint. And that yeah. was the message that I would teach. Um, when well, I, I think that's go. why you've been so successful because that's what an approach to do. You know, it's like, like how you like, no, we're writing the story down. You're not just putting a picture on what's the story behind mm-hmm. it and really get into it kind of thing. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah. And that makes a lot of sense now as you, yeah, as you've gone through what you just shared, how amazing that can be. So I have these five kids and, um, by now, and I'm, so I'm kind of talking about this, um, as my kids started to get older, yeah. um, I was a busy mom traveling a little bit for business, um, yeah. always scrapbooking, always working on a project, <laughs> always a million things going yeah, on. Yeah, right. Um, and, um, my kids loved the scrapbooks they loved reading what i wrote about them they would kind of do these tally marks like oh okay you did two scrapbook pages about her where yeah how many photos am i in you know that it (laughs) was like this this competition Competition type thing so i had to be very fair um Mm -hmm. and the little kids are easier to scrapbook than the bigger kids you know and um but i I will say nothing made me happier than capturing 
the essence of my kids doing what they do yeah. and telling their stories that I, I loved that. That was my whole entire jam. Yeah. Um, for me, being a mom is super hard and it kind of conflicted my, with my creative drive and right, all of my right. ambitious pursuits. But, um, but I felt like I had a really, I felt like I had a really good connection with yeah, my kids. Sure. And, um, they were always kind of on board and part of all my projects and, and this, this and that we had lived in China for a while that really kind of bonded us. And, yeah. um, anyway, so this kind of gets us to where we were, um, and I'll, I'll, I'll go back a, a few years. So, mm, when my second son, so I, ha I have five kids. My first two kids are, are boys and they're only 17 months apart. Okay. Really close. And so they, close, yeah. they always were like best friends, worst enemies, <laughs> tons of sports. Right. Um, and not normal sports, like sports that are super dangerous. <laughs> <laughs> like hockey and rugby and right. you know like I, I would just think can, can we play a normal sport yeah no right. um they were dare, daredevils okay. very um active you know moms right. will talk about i hear people and now more prevalent video games are so much more prevalent now right. than even they were five or six years ago sure um but my kids wouldn't have sat down and played a video game for anything they had to be like doing backflips off the fence or <laughs> making jumps or yeah. um rollerblading skateboarding um very outdoorsy you're right people um Corey Corey is my second oldest second oldest okay and was always my um just always concerned about me, protective of me, um, very much tenderhearted, very much friends of everybody's friend. Okay. Funny. Right. Happy, charming to a fault, like just. Right. In fact, people that he didn't like thought that they were like his best friends. Really? He just really just knew how to make people right. feel so comfortable and um, he would never be mean to somebody. He may say something I won't say he never said anything behind right. people's back or or whatever, but um, he tried to te to be, he was a kind person. I don't think he even had to try. It was just just what he who he was. Him. Yeah. Um. And he uh, also kind of flew behind the under the radar. Like he didn't make a lot of fuss. He ate whatever you gave him. He wore whatever <laughs> you gave him. Right. He did whatever you told him. It just wasn't. Yeah. A fight. Nothing was ever a fight. And um, he wasn't a stellar student and wasn't an exceptional athlete, but he did everything, played everything, participated in everything. Yeah. And everybody liked him, so it was always great to have him around. Sure, sure. Um, in ninth grade, we moved around schools a little bit, and uh, I noticed a really severe drop in grades. Like, from kind of... Averagey, high average to like all F's. Mm. So and I was like, big swing there, yeah. Oh, 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 yeah. no, no, siree, <laughs> yeah. not in this household, right? You know, and um, hmm. 
the really structured mom in me laid down the gauntlet on this kid. That's it. No friends, no, Mm. no nothing until these grades are under control. Quarter two, all F's. And I've now taken away every, everything. Right. And uh, how old is he at this point? Ninth grade. He's ninth grade. Mm -hmm. Okay. So then I start realizing that maybe there's something wrong because he's not wanting. I mean, he's very uncomfortable with the, with the situation, very unhappy. Um, and I'm like, I'm going to the teacher, what's happening? And they're like, well, he's great in class. He's so, so it was like, okay, is he just not turning stuff in? Is he not completing? Right. You know, what's going on? And there was kind of a combination of everything. We kind of, we'd kind of scramble at the last minute and get things up to passing and, um, that ninth grade year was just really, really hard. Yeah. And he, at that time I got him into some ca- different, couple of different counselors and yeah. he was diagnosed with some depression, but he didn't seem depressed. Hmm. Like he was still funny, making right. everybody laugh. Yeah. Still doing all the things he did. Still yeah. himself. Like right. I was like, well, I thought depressed people just laid in their bed the whole day. Yeah. Um, just doesn't make sense. Right, right. And uh, I was still riding pretty hard. So we made some deals. He switched to a different school. Um, and it was like, okay, I'll let you sw- make the switch and do this thing if you get good grades and if, right. you know, Hold up your end of the bargain kind of thing, yeah. And he did pretty good. Um, for the first semester wound up kind of getting in trouble with getting into it, trouble with drugs at the end at the beginning of the second semester this is his sophomore year now and um, and I tell this story I, I share this because this is what this is where my regret starts to really okay. kick in sure um, Corey got busted for ha- for for smoking pot on a school activity, and he didn't get caught. He confessed. Okay. Um, there was some things kind of fishy about it, but I was like, the level that I freaked out at was so high. Mm. Like my absolute losing it. I mean, if there was a if if there was a scale of ten being the absolute highest you could freak out, I was right. like at a fourteen. Wow. I was not right. having it. Um, and you had obviously no clue that that was an issue up until that point, or did you have I, an idea? I think or? that we like we were worried, we were wondering his great, sure. you know, yeah, what's struggling, you know, yeah. trying to catch him in something, wondering if there was some solution to what was going on, mm-hmm. asking him point blank, no denying it whatever and so i i uh lost it and he felt beyond horrible if 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 being horrible if one was the most horrible that you could feel he probably felt it like a negative 20 right. you know he was sick yeah. for letting me down letting my husband down yeah um going against this policy that was certainly like an understanding in our 
yeah family we're not doing drugs in our family mm-hmm. kind of thing yeah and um so he got he got uh suspended he got suspended for 45 days which is what you get when you share mm. drugs with somebody even if the person you shared it with denies using oh, okay but he that was his confession gotcha so we went on home and hospital and this is about um five months before Corey took it took his own life and um during that time, we started some counseling and some therapy, and I was still in this very like hard A mom role. Right. Um, in that time, I was really trying to understand, like I thought I was really trying to understand him and understanding what was wrong, understanding depression, understanding, because I'm thinking to myself, dude, what do you have to be sad about? Can you just tell me one thing? Right. That you have in your life. It's like you have all these blessings. What's why could you even be sad kind yeah. of thing? Yeah. Also, that is another big regret that I have. Don't <laughs> yeah. don't say don't say that. Right. So if you're keeping notes, number one, don't forget. Number two, <laughs> don't question how right. could they can possibly feel the way they do. Yeah. That's called shame based parenting. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um but I, this kid had so much going for him. Everybody loved this kid. Yeah. He was so fun. Um, anyway, there's a, there was a lot of, a lot of different dynamics that were kind of piled on to this already messy, hard situation for him. Um, in relationships, in... Um, I noticed on Twitter his his bio or his little yeah. self description. Yeah, said professional disappointment. Really, wow. And he he just kind of felt like he'd let me down and my husband down and our family down and everybody, God. To the point that, uh, you know, he, I knew he was really troubled yeah. about that. But he also didn't, wasn't capable himself of picking himself up and brushing himself off. And, right. Which I couldn't understand. Yeah. Um, also because I didn't have depression. Yeah. And so I, I couldn't see it. I didn't understand it. I couldn't relate to it. I couldn't empathize with him. I was very frustrated and discouraged. Um, so, you know, when there's a suicide, easily the worst part of the suicide is that there are no answers. Right. You just get left with question after question after question, and then those questions have babies <laughs> and those questions have babies, you know, and like it just keeps going. Yeah. And, and because it was so, um, unexplainable to me, I would find myself creating false realities that would support a, a decision like suicide. Yeah. 
um, Corey had never attempted suicide. He had never threatened suicide. He had never vocalized being suicidal. Um, in fact, I really thought we had turned a corner. I, I really thought like things were better. Starting to move it was in the summer, direction. so school wasn't really right. an issue. He had a he had a job. He had just got his driver's license. He had a new skateboard. Yeah, like all these things that kids want at the time. Right. Yeah. I I thought I thought we were good. Yeah. Um. You know there there were some things that were going on that day that. Certainly, maybe looking back now, could have been a trigger, or right. maybe I should have seen, or yeah. I should have understood more um, leading up to that. But I didn't, and so I, we, were one hundred percent. I felt one hundred percent blindsided by this decision that that he made. Right, and um. my level of devastation at the le- I, I took this so personally right that i just it just really speaking for myself it just shook me to my very core yeah. Um as as I tried to figure out like particularly the the day that Corey had been declared dead, um Circumstances were that Corey was not dead when first responders came. Mm, okay. Um, There's a tissue behind you too, by the <laughs> way. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, yeah. And so Corey was in a really, his body was very healthy to, to be a donor. And so they were working really hard to, utilize his organs that were very healthy mm-hmm. um, and so at this time um, Corey had tweeted goodbye mm. and news had spread and um, we were trying to decide how we were going to handle this right and as a storyteller, as a scrapbooker, as somebody that had this following that was, that knew Corey, that knew my story, yeah. like, um, I was entertaining lies. I was trying to create something that seemed reasonable, that I could tell. Yeah, I, can, I bet. That would, I can't even imagine. Um, because saying out loud that he had taken his life was just ridiculous yeah and i like i thought we had a happy family 
I thought, I thought that we had a good family, but this doesn't happen to good families or good moms or good dads. You know, this only happens to horrible people. And, and I, I, I just, everything that I believed about what we had, um, was, was pretty shattered. Yeah. Um, but my husband and I looked at each other and we decided that we were going to, that we were going to be honest and that we were going to tell yeah. this story. I don't even know if at that time I knew how important that decision was because like it could have been an accident. Right. I, I mean, um, I was really afraid of what people were going to think about me and about Corey and about our family and, and the exact opposite of what I thought happened. Yeah. Um, by doing that, I really opened the door for people to just support us yeah. and love us yeah, and let us know that we weren't alone in these struggles and in suicidal thoughts and suicidal situations. Um, yeah. The depression and anxiety was not unusual. Right. I, I honestly didn't know how many people were affected, how many su people's lives were touched by suicide, how um, broad of a situation, a problem that we were really dealing with yeah. at that at that time, and um, it gave me. Like having people connect with me and reassure me, yeah, was a big deal. Yeah, that connection piece is powerful, and I want to point out uh, to our listeners too is, you know, the the amount of vulnerability we're willing to express is the level of happiness we'll end up experiencing in life. Hmm. And by you guys saying we're just going to tell the truth, as hard as that is, you know, and I'm, I'm, I man, I my heart just aching over here, but because of that look what's happened because like you said the ex exact opposite happened all this outpouring of people who have been through it and that can relate and the connections you started to form because of this i mean i mean that's you know probably one of the things you can look back on is what's made you get through mo you know through it up to uh, this point uh, even and i and i would say that was that was true um people were tel telling me that this opened up this door for them to have a conversation with their kids yeah that is so vitally important. I right. had never had that conversation right. with my kids. Mm -hmm. um, I, I kind of had this realization that what I had been doing my kids' entire lives of telling their stories and scrapbooking um, was not maybe as nerdy <laughs> <laughs> right. as I maybe kind of thought it was. Um, I became so thankful for every single photo. Yeah. And I have a lot of photos and a lot of scrapbooks I can and I wish I had more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I found very quickly how important it was to talk about Corey yeah. and to tell his stories, stories and memories 
was what strengthened our family. Training my kids how to talk about Corey and not shut down and feel the sadness. We felt it together. We felt it openly. We um, shared how we felt about it. Um, but at that time, I think probably from, for me to tell you that I was shattered, like that was the ultimate humbling of, of any of the hard humbling experiences that I've had. Yeah. And I'm not like exempt. Like I've had things that I thought were hard. Sure, sure. (laughs) Um, I wanted to know what I could have done different. Yeah. And and some people would say, Heidi, there's nothing that you could do different. And you know what? I I do think that we can do better. Yeah. Um yeah. I believe we can do better in our relationships, in our families, in our parent child relationships. Right. I agree. In um in all of our close relationships, I think we can do better. And um, there's that quote by Maya Angelou. I don't know if I can say it right, but it says something about you have to forgive yourself for the things that you didn't know. Yeah. Until, until you learn them. Until you learn them, yeah. And I kind of repeat that to myself a lot. Um, because I do believe that some of the behaviors that I had as a parent um, magnified the problems that Corey felt or right. um, heightened them. Y- you know, like I was not um, in my anger and in my wrath and in my this is how we do it, um, which was just who who I was. That's what I thought that that's what I believe my responsibility as a parent was to do. Right. Was to be mad when your kids did something that they weren't supposed to do. Yeah. And so. That's I, way to show them that's the wrong thing and they'll learn from this. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I did that. Um, so in the past three years, in, so it's been three and a half years since Corey passed away. And. My my response has been to go to work on myself. Wow. That losing Corey was like uh, like I really had to look at myself in the mirror. Yeah. Um Obviously, I, I, as a mom, you're supposed to keep your kids safe, and I felt like I'd failed there. And, and I say that gently, like, right. Um, I had done everything that I believed and knew to keep him safe, and I tried everything to help him. I right. So based on the information that I had at that time, yeah, you did the best with what I you did knew. what I could. Yeah, and I have no doubt that Corey knew he was loved. But sometimes we say things like this, like you just got to love him. And that 
like when people would say that you just gotta love them that kind of hurt yeah me a little bit because i think oh so do you think maybe i just didn't love him enough (laughs) you know like yeah no um we do have to love him but also we have to somehow find a language that exists with words with behaviors yeah and with actions that adequately communicates love in the form of acceptance yeah forgiveness space options hope yeah and um i i wasn't good at that yet right and um i remember saying things like if you can't pass math and you can't get a good grade on this math test then how are you going to graduate from high school how are you going to get in college? What, how are right. you ever going to get a job? Right. How are you going to support a family? You know, and I, like, I remember my parents having that same talk with me. Yeah. Um, and so a lot of the behaviors that we have as parents, I'm, I'm learning, really comes from how we were raised. How you were raised, yeah. You're a product of your environment. Even though, yeah. like, I knew my parents loved me. Yeah. And they pushed me and they wanted me to work and they held me accountable. And no, I, I didn't always love it. Yeah. Um, I hid a lot of things from my parents. I didn't yeah. want to get in trouble. Right. I would have no more come to my parents and told them that I needed help. Yeah. I was going to just toe the line. Yeah. Um. So I really think that my message now, my journey, is to try to be open Mm -hmm. about um, sorry about what I think defines a really healthy relationship between a parent and a child i used to probably think it was i'll do your wash yeah and make you food and take you where you need to go and you get good grades and do everything i tell you right like that's what i thought yeah was a great connection a great connection a great relationship if you do what i tell you then we have a good relationship right um I don't I don't believe that and that that's not how I I mean I'm still evolving. <laughs> yeah. How would you look at it now though? Like I know you're still evolving and learning this. How would you how should it look, do you think? Um and I and I'll be very very cautious in saying this because these are personal, you know, all of our relationships are super personal. Sure. Um, but so many of us are, are very hard on, on ourselves, my, myself in, included. And um, most of the time, our kids know when they've done something wrong. Mm-hmm. They know. They know when they need to be better. They actually don't need like 
someone to scream it at them. Um, and so I believe that the relationship, like a really healthy, connected relationship needs to be one of, of sharing mm-hmm. and of actual, I'm going to say the word safe, even though I feel like it's a little bit overused. I want my kids to be able to tell me if they've gotten themselves into some trouble. Right. Without, and being able to trust that I'm not going to absolutely fling right. off. Right. They feel the safe handle. coming to you, going, hey, here's yeah. what I'm dealing with. Now or, I know, like, let's be real. Yeah. Every kid isn't going to come tell their parents all the things For that sure. they've done wrong yeah. or snuck out or, you know, this or that or the other. But, I want to be um, somebody that they can talk to about hard things. Hard stuff, yeah. And have a relationship where they know that I'm not perfect. Yeah. And I know they're not perfect. I'm glad you say that because I can't tell you how many clients I've worked with. I'm working with their kid, their daughter, or their son. And I'll say, you need, why haven't you brought this up with your parents? And they're like, my parents have lived a perfect life. Right. They won't understand. <laughs> I've heard that I can't tell you how many times in my counseling with kids is we, we put our parents up on a pedestal yeah it's like well they've never done a mistake they won't understand this I'm like well no they just have never told you trust me they have <laughs> but right? they haven't communicated it and that's what you're saying is to have that kind of open communication we're not perfect we never were here's one of, of the biggest revelations that I think that mm-hmm. I had um, the therapist that was working with Corey explained to me um, no child wants to disappoint their parents. Right. And and I'm thinking to myself, well, then why the heck aren't they <laughs> doing this and this and this? What are you talking about? Yes, they do. They're fine with it. Y- yeah. You know, like that, that right. was kind of m- my response because I was seeing things so black and white. Yeah. So yes or no. So yeah. box checky. That's, right. that's how I saw this parent parenting job. Did they get up to school? Yes. Did they come in at curfew? Yes. Did they get good grades? Yes. You know. Right. There's nothing box checky about a real relationship. There isn't, right. With a child. Yeah. And so um, there's certain things that I have, I've had to learn, which is like taking the time to have a real conversation. And that might not happen when it's convenient for me. And it might not happen in a place that's convenient for me. I might have to stay up later than I wanted to. Or I might have to give up a project that I wanted to work on or, you know, and and I have to go into into there. And people say, I hear this a lot. Um, I lay down in bed with my kids with the lights off and have have those heart-to-heart chats. You know, I got to say something here because it really hit me when you just said what you said. You know, one of the definitions, one of the best definitions I've heard of what love really is, is it's sacrifice. And and here you are saying earlier, you know, I'm I'm washing, I'm cooking, I'm cleaning, I'm taking you here and there. That's sacrifice. But the level of sacrifice you're talking about now is completely on a whole nother level. Like, it's that time piece. It's that quality time. Laying in the bed in the dark, just, hey, how was your day? Tell me about it. I'll tickle your back. I'm here to just lay right. by you. If you don't even want to talk, I'm here. That takes sacrifice because I know as a parent myself, 
I got stuff to You're do. Tired. I got, yeah. I'm tired. I got stuff to do. I'm going to be over here doing this. And I get caught up in that too. And I think a lot of us do, but I just, that really hit me when you said that Heidi, that, um, it's a different level of sacrifice that you're talking about here. Well, and I'm going to go one more level. Okay. When a kid tells you that they don't agree with your beliefs that you've taught them, mm-hmm. and maybe this is, and maybe specifically I'm talking about religion, but this could also be like a work ethic. It could, sure, be, it could be a lot of um, friend choices, it, mm-hmm. you know, whatever it is. I wasn't in the business of like letting my kids make their own choices right i think yeah honestly i was like no you're gonna do what i say (laughs) this is how this works because i'm the parent right this is how this is this is the perk that i have that because i brought you into this earth i say how it goes yeah and um one of the the things that was going on in Corey's life is he had really he was really questioning a loving heavenly father, a God and, and, and a savior. Right. He just didn't buy it. Just didn't get in. Yeah. And, um, he came to church with us and he would pray with us. He, he wasn't in open rebellion, but he was sharing with me that he didn't believe. And this was so hard for me. Yeah. Because I was like, well, it's obvious here. Right here yeah. in this scripture, right here in this sunset, right here in this yeah. promise, y- you know, and for me, there's so much safety in my religious beliefs, but for him, he hadn't gotten there yet. And I was 40 something and he was 15. And why at that point didn't I think to myself, there's time, Yeah. there's time, These things are going to work out. Yeah. No, I didn't. I wanted him to believe my way. I wanted him to do right then and there. <laughs> I did yeah. because I thought that there was safety there. Mm-hmm. Um, I have had to accept and embrace the fact that my children are little humans. Yeah. And they're individuals. Yeah. And that I get to be a mentor to them and just making sure we're all <laughs> yeah, just checking, make sure everything's working. Anyway, Sorry about that. Heidi. That's okay. <laughs> um, I get to be a mentor to them and yeah. I get to support them, but I don't need to control them. Right. What I can control is me. Amen. And we all know that we've been told that like you can only control yourself. We, we've been told that, but when you're a parent, Oh no, you, you want to yeah. control these kids too. It's a whole nother thing. And your spouse. Actually doing you want to yeah. control them all, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, so true. So when, when you, when I've had to embrace the fact that as I control me and I become safe yeah. for them and I become a sounding board and I become a support. Yeah. And, and I'm going to say one other word that our kids need to see us as an ally. Yeah. I love that. And I, I kind of think I thought I was an ally. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was paying the bills, right? Like yeah. what better ally could I be? But, but an ally has your back no matter what. Yeah. 
even when the chips are super down. Yep. They don't throw you to the wolves. You know, they don't give up on you. They don't make you feel worse. They Yeah, they listen, they understand, yeah. they have empathy, they compassion, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so I think that my definitions have just all had to evolve. Yeah. And I'm not perfect. I can I can do a solid freak out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then I'll and then I'll just <laughs> like reverse. Yeah. Throw that baby into reverse right. and apologize and acknowledge and recognize and invite. Yeah. This you know and it's hard cuz I am still who I am still who I am and I yeah. still want the very best for my kids. Sure. I want to protect them. If, if I could just put them in a padded room and <laughs> Yeah. Whew. Yeah. Um, I, I think I, I think like, I was going to say I like that recognition part where you go, you know, I am going to make a mistake, but I will f- catch it and I'll go back and I'll I'll apologize. I mean, I think that in itself is a very very powerful thing because there's times where I've done stuff with my kids and I don't apologize, but I know I was wrong. Right. Like why didn't I go say I'm sorry? <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Powerful. Um, I also think that and you mentioned the back tickle. Yeah. When you're mad at the, your kid <laughs> or disappointed or frustrated, the last thing that you want to do is just sit there and tickle their back and comfort <laughs> them, you know? You just want to, ah! Right, right. Um, I have come to learn that there's no substitute from just taking them up yeah yep and just holding them with that really strong like it is going to be okay it is and 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 tickle and and scratch their back and and physically be there um that is a reassurance and a connection that kids need and love right from their parents especially when they're in trouble or struggling or have made a mistake um and i think Corey gave the best hugs of maybe anybody yeah except for his dad <laughs> yeah and um really miss hugging him yeah and so i have kind of evolved into just never missing you know that opportunity to kind of give some physical reassurance right um and that's been an evolution for me too yeah Yeah. a lot can be said in a hug right surprisingly yeah yeah that wasn't the language that i had always subscribed to right wow Wow, Heidi, thank you so much for being so vulnerable with this uh, story. I mean, this is, this is, I mean, my heart goes out to you, but on the <laughs> other end, I mean, what a powerful story. And I love the part how, when you said earlier, this has been a wake-up call to work on me. And uh, that really hit me when you said that. <clears throat> and uh, and I love that because it, it really kind of takes you out of the victim mode 
when you do that. Like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be better because of this. doesn't mean it's going to be easy, and it doesn't mean I'm still not going to have my really rough and bad days. But to hear you say that, that's where my mind went. I'm like, wow, what a way. And even when you guys said, we're going to just tell the truth around this. We're not going to hide from it. Another way of not playing the victim to it, so to speak. And I just love that and how, I mean, just how that's allowed you to kind of move forward. I know, I'm sure it's, I mean, obviously it's still really, really tough <laughs> and raw for you. Yeah. But I love well, the. I mean, how many yeah. times when you have, you're, you're a counselor and you have people drop off their kid. Yep. And you know that mom is like, fix this kid. Oh, yeah. I'll be back in an hour. <laughs> exactly. Fix him. You yeah. know, that was, that was me dropping off my kid. Like, yeah. I, I hope we can, ha- I hope we can help him because this kid needs right. help. Like not really understanding. Oh, so the, the way that I behave mm-hmm. is affecting the way it's he behaves. It. Yeah. You know, is affecting our yeah. relationship. Oh, so I could be the thing that turns this around. Like do parents know that? That what a power that we have as parents in order to influence this very strong relationship. But, but we have to be the ones that do it for, you know, that go first. Yeah. Yeah. That's powerful. You say that, you know, I had a, uh, an experience a few weeks ago with a parent who, you know, I do all these things, this and that. I'm like, (laughs) and they're, they're religious and you know, that thing. And, and I said, I said, I'm going to say something to you. It might sting a little bit, <laughs> but I'm going to say it anyways. Typical because, counselor. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm going to say, stop quoting Buddha and be Buddha. Or stop quoting Jesus and be Jesus. And I think... <laughs> and boy, that does sting a little. <laughs> yeah. And it was like a wake-up call, though. But it's like, I think we get, we're really good at quoting this, that, look, read this, do this instead of just being what we want them to be. I know we're not perfect, you know, but being like Buddha would be calm and serene, be like Jesus, loving and open right. arms. And right. instead of thinking, well, no, but this is this, this, you know, just stick, take a step back and be those things and watch watch what happens when we do that. Right. You know, anyway, so it's kind of going to what you just said there. And so yeah, it's I love just that. powerful. I, I love that. <laughs> you know, I think that, parents will people will reach out to me or when I mm-hmm. speak or whatever and they're like so when when is when is too young to start like using these tools that you talk mm-hmm. about or right you know I don't have a teenager yet and so I'm just kind of putting this up on the shelf and and I'm like okay no <laughs> because you freak out when your kid spells milk right you freak out when you hand him back a shake in the car and the shake ends up all over the car, right? right? Then you freak out. And so actually from a young age, kids are expecting you to freak out and scared that you're going to freak out because they don't want to disappoint you at any age. At any age, yep. And so um, kind of that don't freak out is is kind of my <laughs> mantra. It's <laughs> yeah, a good one. <laughs> I think that whether it's little things that we freak out about or, or big things that cause cause freak outs nothing really good comes from the freak out right you know it's completely unproductive and it scares everybody and it heightens the emotion yeah and and all those things and 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 yet it really is our first our first reaction yeah right (laughs) um (laughs) one of the things that 
that my this coach friend my quarry therapist taught me was um you know when somebody when a first responder comes on the scene of an accident Mm -hmm. what if that first responder was just (laughs) freaking out like what have you done here what's going on whose fault is this you know and and just right screaming and crazy how much confidence would you have in that guy right you know you would not have any confidence right? right and so as parents or even if it's in a spouse relationship or a friendship relationship um when somebody when something does go wrong being able to stay calm puts you in a place of actually being able to to help absolutely puts you in a place of um influence yep whereas if you freak out you lose you You lose lose it it. like that yeah Wow, that's a very good thing to point out. I agree. And I just was a really good freaker outer man. <laughs> I, I, I had that down. Yeah. Wow. Well, man, I we could keep talking forever here. No, this is no. Thank you. This is amazing. Real quick though, I want to ask one more, maybe two more questions. What are you doing now to kind of help spread the word, uh, so to speak? I mean, obviously you've gotten a little bit into it, but what are you doing now to kind of reach out to people. I know that you had a huge following, you know, because of your scrapbooking business and this and that, but you're also using that as people are reaching out to you asking for help. And so talk a little bit about that. Well, so I do try to share stuff through my social media Mm -hmm. and be open and remind people how important it is. And, um, always such an amazing support and response to, as I, as I talk about that on, on social media, um, when Corey first passed away, I was like, oh, I got to start a foundation or do right. we have a marathon or right. what do, do we need to earn money? Who do I give the money to? Right. What, what should I do? And I wanted to do something, which I think is a, a really common feeling when you, when yeah. you, you're like, I got, we got to change gotta this. Or, yeah. Yes. <laughs> and, um, it took a while. It took about two years and I decided, you know, I don't think we need more foundations. Right. And I don't think we need more fundraising yeah i think we need more information i love that and so it's been almost a year ago and and um i convinced Corey's therapist who has become a a friend of mine and um a coach and a a mentor to me um he's a marriage and family therapist and he specializes in suicide prevention and working with teens and um i convinced him to start to work on a podcast with me and I never done a podcast and um of course I kind of go into this whole thing just feeling like I'm literally the worst example so, <laughs> so no um <laughs> but I was learning so much after Corey died and and having so many like aha moments about what I wish that I would have known mm-hmm. and so at the time that we started the podcast I really thought it was going to be a podcast for any parent who has a child struggling with suicide. Right. Attempts or suicidal thoughts or self-harm. You know, what can I do different? I, I really believe honestly that parents have more power than they think in their own behavior. Right. If we can realize that and if we can make those some changes and that those changes will really impact the kids. Right. In, in those behaviors and, and in the relationship. 
Um, and that was really just born of what I had been learning. And so I really thought it was going to be just kind of this suicide prevention, this suicide podcast for parents who were just scared. And um, what it's really turned into is more of a relationship podcast. Right. That's really talking about like how to strengthen the relationships, how to um, fortify the relationships and realizing that just because you gave birth to a kid doesn't mean you gave birth to a relationship. Wow. And that that relationship Powerful. has to be like built and then built onto and then reinforced and then like it it's ever growing. Right. And um, I don't think I thought that. I think I thought that the relationship just came with the last name. Right. Wow. You That's know? powerful. What is your podcast, and how would someone reach? It, you know, okay. start listening to it. So the podcast is um, it's called Light the Fight, and that name really just came. It came to me just right after Corey died, and I wanted to just like change yeah. the world and shout it from the rooftops when I first learned about like shame and right. guilt. And learn that when we shine light on things that are dark and scary, that they lose their power. Yeah. And that they that we can work on them better, that we can understand them more. Mm, love and it. so love that's it. the name is Light the Fight because we do talk about difficult topics. Yeah. Um and I'm the mom that's made all the mistakes. <laughs> and um we're talking to a therapist who has seen all the mistakes. Right. And, um, so you kind of get those two perspectives. Oh, that's awesome. Very cool. Well, if you could, uh, end with, uh, how could people get a hold of you or reach out to you? I know you're bombarded and you're, <laughs> and, you're and you're trying to divvy that out. Uh, um, and, uh, but just how would they follow you to just start getting to know more about you? What would be the best way? So, yeah, that that would be great. If you wanna <laughs> if you wanna kinda learn about me, um I do have a website that's called HeidiSwap.com and you can go there and you can see all the pretty stuff. The memory keeping stuff and yeah. all all the all the things. Um you can buy some things on there, but all her creative really stuff. it's just it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. It's just a a creative site. Um yeah. Instagram is a would be a great place for you to connect with me okay. and find me. So I'm just at HeidiSwap two peas like a swap meet but with two peas you know <laughs> um and then you can also follow light the fight it has an instagram account great and that's a great place to kind of be aware of community events that we do um and information we teach some we teach workshops and great. um who knows where it's gonna go yeah i think that's <laughs> actually wonderful give some give people the not only are you talking about the information, but then they can come and you know put that information to, to work for themselves. Yeah. I love that. I think, um, you know, as David, he he's my partner on the podcast, has mm -hmm. realized that like if people that he's counseling will come to one of our workshops, it will it will save them like twelve weeks right. of what what they may or may not learn um, in, in one on one in that one on one counseling yeah. because so much of therapy is really learning. Yep. It's just education. Yeah, for sure. And yeah. um, <laughs> so I think a lot of people think they're going to come in and and get psychoanalyzed or something like that when really they're just, we're just learning. Just learning. And wow. And we... Love it. We just need help. This isn't, doesn't come natural. It's not taught yeah. in school. It didn't come from our parents. Um, and so we really have to seek the information 
because more information, updated, good information is available, but it needs to be, yeah. you have to seek it out. Wow, I love it. Awesome. Very <laughs> cool. Well, Heidi, I want to thank you so much for taking some time today and sitting down and sharing your um, thank you. your thank amazing you story. Me. Absolutely. And for being vulnerable and, and open and honest about your struggles through this whole thing. And I really love that. And, you know, I, I think people really appreciate when people are just real and genuine, like we were talking about before we actually started the <laughs> podcast, right? So thank you for, you know, being willing to, to be vulnerable with what you've gone through in the, in the, how you've handled it and and how you're still learning yeah. from it and moving forward, you know? Well, you know, this is actually the first time I'm meeting you yeah. in, yeah. in this podcast. And um, I was very moved by the podcast that you did with Richard Osler on his podcast. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. About your story. Um, huh. And there's so much value. Like, I learned so much about that dark place and about the struggle um, that somebody might go through. It helps me so much when somebody sheds light on that place. Yeah. And um, there's things that you said. One of the things that you said is that you feel like your addiction was your greatest blessing Yeah. in that podcast. And yep. um, I'm not really to a place where I would... Yeah. Um, categorize what's happened as my greatest blessing. Um, right. But nothing has ever uh, pushed me to learn and grow more. Yeah. And I'm thankful for what Corey has been able to teach me. Yeah. Because he, because noth nothing and no one would be able to teach me yeah. what I have, what I've learned from this. And um, I love Corey with with all with all my heart and yeah. um I want to make him proud. Yeah. And I know that he um would be happy if his story can help others. Yeah. Well, I think he's happy right now is my is my belief and uh your story that's going to be shared with my listeners and is going to really make a huge impact. I work with a lot of people who are in the kind of going through the same things, you know, depression and anxiety and trying to find their way through this world. And, and so this is going to help yeah. a lot of people. Heidi, thank you so much. And I, I really do believe he's happy right now. I really do. You know, I think he's proud of you right now. I hope that's okay for me to say. Yeah. Um, I'm not saying I'm an expert on anything. <laughs> it's just my gut feeling. Um, but thank you, Heidi. You're amazing. Um, this is our first time meeting, but I feel like I know you <laughs> really, really well. Um, but you're awesome. Uh, listeners, thank you so much for your your time and listening to this. A another amazing podcast. I just sit there and I pinch myself. All these people, I get to <laughs> sit and listen to their stories. And um, But please share this, especially with those that you know might be struggling. You know, if, if you're a parent, this is a, you know, to be honest, a wake-up call to you to start reaching out and talking to your children. <clears throat> you know, talk about the tough questions, the ones that, especially the ones that scare you to ask. Ask them. And it might come across completely weird and awkward and whatever, but at least you asked it and you can get that ball rolling. So it's a wake-up call to you. Um, I want to thank Veracity Networks once again for being our sponsor. Uh, they're into helping the community, and thank you for allowing... Um, 
uh, me to be a part of your organization in this way. And again, Heidi, thank you for your time today. It was awesome. You betcha. So till next time, thank you.